Hello and welcome to the RevX podcast. For uh, this is episode thirteen, and I'm on a crappy mic, so I'm gonna jump right out and let you get to it. This is uh, the next chapter in our job search series. Um, so uh, if you are searching for good tips on that, here's a good place for them. Hello and welcome to the third session of the RevX job series panel discussion slash podcast. Um, I am your host slash audience member, Samara Mizrahi, Director of Operations for Revolutionary Exchange Records. Um, today we are going to talk about job searching tips, what you have found helps you in finding a job after a long term of unemployment or a short term, um, how you can better make better your online presence, um, so like not being an idiot on social media. Um, and also how to beef up your LinkedIn or other social professional networking sites and kind of just anything that goes along with that. Um, we'll go around, we'll introduce the panelists first. Do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> My name is Erin Hopkins. I'm a career and life coach um, and I've been doing this work in the DC area for about five years. Hi, I'm Sean Logue. I, uh, a, uh, basically a program or business analyst, depending on which company you work for. And I um, also have run a career workshop program. It's been a few years, but I have some background in how to build up a good resume and uh, also do a good LinkedIn. Uh, my name's Mike Nasser, and I'm a software engineer for um, small company called Remedy Health Media and I've been working like I don't I don't have a like a job development background but at the same time I have I guess you can say seven years of real-world experience being in starting to look for work during the recession of 08 and not working for a while all the way up to now having more work than I can handle so I've got a decent amount of real-world experience I can convey my name's Jessica Steppa I'm a politics reporter at USA Today I work in a very tumultuous industry, which means that I'm constantly figuring out what my next step is and developing a network. That's why I'm here today. My name is Jonathan Lane. I'm an attorney at J.D. Lane Law in Maryland and D.C. Uh, I have a lot of experience looking for jobs myself uh, and figuring out career path uh, on and off between 2008 and 2016. I was looking for a permanent job for about six years in total. Okay, um, I guess I'll start with the first question, or I guess of the panelists each want to talk about what is their number one tip for finding a job. We'll go in the same order. Okay, sure, yeah, no worries. So, you know, unsurprisingly, <laughs> I'm a, a career and life coach, so the number one thing I would say is having the right mindset. Um, that's something that even as a job searcher myself, I, the, it's, it's funny, the approach that I have found was most successful is just to not get too attached, like to the point of just, if I come up upon a you know um, job listing and I'm not sure if, I, if I'm having those questions of like, would I be qualified or would I be good enough? I'm just kind of like, well, fuck it. Like, let's just try and submit something. So I would say kind of having a mindset of 
being open to what's out there. I think a lot of times we're like, it has to be this one job or this one company and that's not gonna get you very far. So I would say keep an open mind and really try and focus on other things like trying to find a job is a job in and of itself, but you gotta have a good community of friends. Like you've gotta be able to do stuff outside of that because it will drive you kind of crazy. So um, I would say again, just setting up some kind of system to hold yourself accountable and then keeping a, a positive mindset and just trying to stay as sane as possible. <laughs> That's my number one tip. If I were to build off that, it would be to say, also don't be attached to one particular way of doing things with approaching a job search. Um, know your audience though, so that's my caveat to that. Uh, for example, I don't subscribe to the idea that a resume absolutely needs to be one page. However, you should know your audience. If you are applying for a job, uh, Capitol Hill job is a great example of this, where they're going to have to sort through uh, hundreds of resumes to get one job. <coughs> You probably don't want to write a two-page resume because they don't have time to read it. And you need, you need to really kind of think about who's reading the resume, who is the most likely person to read the resume, and what kind of job are you applying for? Because if you're applying for a job that really does require detail and specifics, and this is very true with government jobs, you really need to include a lot of detail and specifics. But if you're looking for a more entry-level job that you just need to make the bullet points to say this is exactly what you need to do, then you can get that resume done in a page. So really get to know your audience, get to know, get in the mind of who uh, the, per the person is, and I'm sure you'll be a lot more successful that way. Um, I guess the piece of advice I can give that hasn't been stated already, uh, so this is probably like number two or three on my list, is um, now, I come from a technical background, so obviously there's jobs that require more hard skills and require more soft skills. What I do definitely requires more hard skills, and with hard skills, a lot of employers want to see that you, can, that you have demonstrated experience. You can demonstrate that you have this experience doing those hard skills. So what you can do is build up a portfolio of your work that you can then show to a prospective full-time, part-time, whatever employer. Uh, I've done, I've looked through resumes before to hire people and if they don't have, and if they have like a, an account, like a code repository site where I can go look at their code and make sure it's not garbage, I can really, like it really helps me know that they're going to be a good employee. So that's my two cents for more technical jobs. So I'm a big believer in networking, um, and that might just be because I'm in a communications position. But so I lead a local group of journalists who actually get together once a month and like we talk about what job openings there are. So that's one thing. But like when I was looking for jobs, my network backed me up on everything. They found me freelance jobs. They created spreadsheets. They helped me find like contract work. And it's because I developed a relationship with this community of people that even if they couldn't personally hire me, they were willing to help out as they could. Um, and I'm a big believer in personal relationships and being able to pay back once if you help someone, they'll help you later down the line. Um, and that has proved for every single full-time job I've ever had. I would say to 
not fall into the trap of saying I need to apply to a certain number of jobs in a particular day or things like that. Uh, only certain jobs are strong possibilities for you and only certain jobs will make sense for you and you should be keeping an eye on what's available uh, but you shouldn't be putting in the time to apply to something just to say oh I applied to a job today obviously you'd want to be customizing your application for each job and to put in that time and then just have even more than necessary that you never hear back from is just disheartening and it's a waste of time to apply to a job that doesn't seem right for you. All right, so I'll ask a question now for real. <laughs> um, my question is, so I currently, um, I was laid off from a job uh, 18 months now, I think, 15 months, something like that, whatever, bad at math, um, over a year. And so once, when I was on unemployment, when I was collecting money, I, what I did was I sat at home and I just applied to jobs, but really not as many as I thought I should. But Jonathan also now just said, like, don't apply to everything so I feel better. But also, like, I, I found that I am applying to a lot of things that I do think I'm qualified for, and maybe I'm applying too late. Like, is that a thing? Like, is there really a sort of time period in which you need to apply once a job is posted? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it depends on the job, like university jobs or jobs in education are very strict about like this application's open until this date and then they remove it. I think there are more applications that might be on a rolling basis. So, you know, it kind of depends. I do want to second what Jess said about networking, though, because I think that, you know, if you're sitting at home and applying online, the percentage people who are actually going to just be looking at applications online and and the rate of potentially getting hired just from doing that is going to be lower not that it's impossible but it's going to be lower than if you're like all right let me figure out where this company does networking or where do they get their coffee or who might I know uh, at this company or who might I know that knows someone um, so I would say you know always kind of bolstering that end uh, in addition to this is definitely a know your audience question because it really does depend. Um, one thing you could one thing you could look out for is the length of time that the job posting is open for. Mm -hmm. If it is a long length, there's a good possibility that there's going to be a rolling application basis, and they may be hiring for multiple positions. And you should definitely see if they're actually hiring for multiple positions in that case. Uh, if it is for one position that's very uh, competitive and, and maybe a little bit scant on details, and it's like a smaller firm, you just need to get on it immediately. Because smaller firms, um, like if you're working at a company like five or six people, if you're missing a person, you really need to find someone right away and you need to make a decision fast. But if you're working in a large corporation uh, or looking for a job in a a corporation or a larger nonprofit organization, for example, uh, like I work in now, you have a little bit more time to really discern and think about if it's right, but I would still be leery about going for a posting that may be over a week old or two weeks old. You probably still want to get something in within the first week. Uh, I still kind of like the week rule, but 
some positions you really want to just get it the day of. I know when I looked for a job, asked, I really only focused on postings that were one, two, or three days old, and they only went back farther if um, I had run out of things to post that were fresh. Um, what I can add, what I would add to that is, you shouldn't necessarily discount the time factor because I've seen cases where it can actually work in your favor because I've been in mostly small companies, one or two large ones, but the small, a lot of small companies I've been in, a lot of times the, uh, they're looking for somebody who probably either who may not exist or may not exist for the compensation they're offering. So they're going to be on this job search for two to four weeks hoping that this unicorn shows up that never shows up and then finally someone internal will say hey we gotta lower our expectations lower our standards lower the bar and then you know the people who applied pre previously might have moved on and then it's just a matter of luck that you happen to show up just as they're lowering their their standards <laughs> and, <laughs> and hey and you know that's <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I guess the, the, the summary of that is uh, a longer po posted job can actually work in your favor. So don't discount it is, all I'm, is what I would say. I would second that. I mean, so the thing is, I've seen a lot of jobs where they post even though they already know who they're going to hire. Yeah. Um, that happens all the time in companies that I look at. and. But three if you're exactly like, right. Oh, internal candidate. We're <laughs> just three interviews in a week too. Oh my God. Right. And so, and that's the issue is that like you don't know what the people who are hiring what they already have in mind if they already have a candidate and they're just like legally required to post this job. Yeah. But if you're applying, you can at least get. I say apply anyway, just because you don't know if you're going to be qualified for a job that they have later down the line. You don't know if they keep resumes, because that's happened to me before where I get reached. They're like, you applied to this job six months ago. We didn't have anything for you then. However, are, are you free now? And the answer was no, but you know. Like, <laughs> sometimes it works out where they keep in mind like good candidates, even if they can't hire those candidates right now. And I think that happens a lot more often than people think. Okay. To piggyback on that, it's also the thing that the job interview, you go in for a job and then you get to the interview stage and they have to interview a certain number of people, even yeah. if they already know who they're hiring first, that interview is a networking opportunity. Yes. That is a very good network because you're getting to give them all your best stuff and they, they know that now and they can share that yeah. for the future. They may connect with you in the future, that type of thing. Yeah, I have an anecdote for that. So like I'm at USA Today now. I first applied for a job at Gannett in <coughs> 2011 for like a social media specialist, whatever. And I didn't get the job because they already had an internal candidate that they were hiring. So I have no idea why they even brought me into like Titan's Corner for like a six hour interview. It was terrible. Three years later, I had quit my congressional reporting job because I hated my life. And I happened, like an old boss worked at USA Today and was just like, well, we have a contracting job if you, like, you're interested. And she put me in touch with her, the person who was hiring for her. And she's like, I remember you. I interviewed you three years ago. Do you want this job? <sighs> and that was it. That was literally, like, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't, like, and so they were just like, the contract's yours. I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. I'm so proud of, like, 2011 me for making such a good impression. <laughs> so you just, you never know. And I'm still there. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. And it's commonly the case where, like, they say they say in the internal meetings, it's like, man, I wish we could hire three of these people, but we can only hire one. Right. So, so I came to DC uh, 
you know, several years ago, and I work as a technical writer for the VA, Department of Veterans Affairs. My question is, um, what is the value of a cover letter? Because when I've applied to jobs, uh, sometimes I include a cover letter, sometimes I don't. Um, do people actually read these things? Um, is it a waste of my time? Should I just focus on my resume instead of the cover letter? Uh, I first want to just address the last question. So I think it's valuable to think of the process that an organization goes through in deciding to hire. And basically, you want to ideally be on their radar screen as soon as possible. The best time to be made, for someone to be made aware of you is before they're even sure that they're going to be hiring someone. When they, they have an inkling that they may have a need in the near future. And then, of course, after that, if they've decided they want to hire somebody, but they haven't posted it yet, that's a lot better. Once they post something and it's available to the whole world, it gets a lot harder. Now, of course, it's very hard to find those opportunities before they get posted. And that's uh, where you hope that the networking component can come in. But, uh, but thinking about it that way can be useful. Well, so to answer the um, cover letter question, um, I just, I'll throw it out there. This may not be, you may already be doing this, but if it says that a cover letter is required or even recommended, absolutely do it. And I would actually say, unless it's, a job that you're just like, ah, I'm trying to just do five applications today. I would say do it because what the, serves the purpose as is summarizing and highlighting your experience so that they can look at the cover letter and say, I already know this person has this qualification. Like, I already know that they have read the job post thoroughly. And you're showing that you've also learned about them. Um, one of the things when I was working as a career counselor at a college um, is I Make sure to tell the students, like, you want to kind of have a paragraph that's about you that summarizes in the cover letter, okay, here's, here's how I can connect the dots for you. You're looking for someone with this experience and this work. First sentence, like, here it is. And then you really want to talk about what you can do for them, like how you can bring your skills, um, whether it's your education and your experience, or if it's just, you know, that you've literally done that job before. You really want to say, you know, here's what I know about your company. And here's why I think that I can, you know, bring these skills that, you know, you're looking for. It's kind of, you're almost putting your experience in like a narrative form to show them mm -hmm. here on a golden platter is how I can, you know, help serve in this position. Understood. Thank you. So I wanted to answer the cover letter thing from a job search perspective. So I've been on, uh, so was on a bunch of college hiring committees. Um, back in you know mid to late 90s early 2000s and the way those processes worked is literally they had a committee that saw it before the hiring people saw it and they would take all the applications and they would have a checklist and the checklist would basically be all the things that they want from this candidate and then all the things they like that are optional they want them 
and they would look at the resume and the cover letter and find those and check them off. And if you got enough of them, you advanced. If you didn't, you didn't. And the cover letter was key for things that you couldn't put on a resume. So like, you know, shows initiative. There's no way to really put that on a resume very clearly, but you can say in your cover letter, I showed initiative by doing this and give a good example, and they, that person can check it off. And so in that very technical approach that they'd use there, a cover letter was a be all end all. I had to have it to get the job. Okay. So, yeah. I, it's important to recognize that you do have multiple internal audiences, uh, and especially in a larger organization, even an organization with you know, 50 people, let alone one with 10,000, you're often going to have someone who's an HR type person who is going to be looking, who may not even understand the job, particularly in technical or scientific fields. Uh, they may just be looking for keywords and like you said, checking off boxes, and you need to get through that gatekeeper to get to the secondary audience uh, who may be presented with three or five candidates, and, but you also need to be reaching the, that second person with the right message. Yeah, and from my experience, I'm, I usually am that second audience because I'm a, I work in small teams, and so, but, so even when I, when I was the primary and secondary audience, I personally never put that much stock in a cover letter because uh, as a more technical, uh, having a more technical skill set, I could really care less about initiative or, you know, feel good, warm and fuzzies, blah, blah, blah. It's like, can you do, it's like, can you write this code when I give you this problem it's like can you write the code that's what I care more about man and in contrast I've heard managers say they need they need a warm fuzzy so the CV can give you that can maybe give them the warm fuzzy so I I, I think I could make a very simple point to address that concise be concise with your cover letter you can be passionate and you can be uh, able to demonstrate knowledge in a few words and try to do that because if you do it in a short, concise way but still in an effective way, then you'll be able to maximize your potential with different target audiences, uh, whether it's someone who's more into the fuzzy or someone who's less into the fuzzy because you're not wasting someone's time if they're not into it, Yeah. And but you're still demonstrating some value to someone if they are. I think it goes back to the original point. Know your audience. No, I think it's fair though. I mean, you're applying for writing jobs. You have to show them that you know how to write. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's what I always think of. And so how do you make something that like, and it depends on the job. Um, how do you make something that like speaks to the per the company that you are applying for? What are they looking for? Look at examples of what they've published and like figure out what is their tone. What are, or do you know who you're applying to? If you do, figure out what that person likes. Like I tailor, I have like a single cover letter that I tailor to every single person whenever I'm applying for jobs. I'm like, okay, this paragraph's gonna go. This like cute yeah. little anecdote in the middle is not going to be there for this job. But actually for this next job, I'm gonna drop that in because that's theoretically relevant to what I'm like applying for. Like you can tweak for everything, I think. So. In my experience, looking for a job as a nanny, time is critical, so I have to get the application in ASAP, like day one preferably. But I also really need to tailor my applications to be very specific for the families. 
how do you find the balance where you're not being so involved in tailoring it? Because the job descriptions are basically all the same. They just tell you what their hours are, list of like basic job description and how old the kid is. They don't really tell you what the job is gonna be like. So how do you how do you balance investing all of your time and energy, but also applying to enough jobs that you might actually get a response? <laughs> I've been I, I I use there's a word that developers like me like to use a lot, and it applies to cover to resumes template. Make yourself a nice reusable template that you can just copy and paste stuff into. Uh, as much as you possibly can. This way you minimize the amount of time you spend uh, you know, tailoring and customizing a resume that doesn't have to be. And you know, hopefully you can apply to more jobs that way and yeah. have less stress. And you know, speaking specifically <coughs> to like, the nannying field, what you could do is have like, three templates, one for like, you know, really young children, one for you know, three to five, one for six to nine, and focusing yeah. on those like, developmental needs and kind of that's how you could tailor it if they're not really giving you much to go on. Yeah. On the resume, I basically would say have like the very, very long version of your resume, like the one that has every single detail about everything. So then you can subtract, delete rather than add. Um, yeah. Because it's a lot easier to cut. Everybody knows this. It's a lot easier to cut yeah. than to try and add stuff back in. Yeah. Uh, and I think I do recommend. But I know for the. The kid's age probably really matters with the yeah, adding and I have, cutting. I have a solo infant, a solo toddler, and a nanny Sherry, like template, but it's not working. And, mm. and now I'm in a really complex situation, so like. Have you had like even just a friend like proofread it or just be like, yeah. here's. Yeah, I've had my former employer, my former employers check it out and I have their like letters of recommendation. I've had, like, I've come to, to these things before. I've had friends that are proofread it. And it's, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I think I'm just having trouble with the industry in general. Yeah. And that's not really yeah. something that you guys can give me tips or advice. It's just people undervalue domestic servants. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's when I would maybe move on to more like, all right, this might not be working. Let me put, you know, some more energy into networking. Because as a coach, even like, okay, the referral well dries up sometimes. So going out and trying to just figure out like, okay, where are the people that I want to talk to congregating? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then going <laughs> and just like, how many playdates can I crash? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's, that would be kind of the next step that I would recommend. But it sounds like it sounds like you're doing the right things. Like sometimes the market just is rough. I was told nannyhood is recession proof, but I was told PR and marketing were also recession. <laughs> <laughs> so I think someone lied to us. And of course, if you think about it, like uh, with different political priorities, uh, nothing really is recession proof at all. I know. Uh, yeah. My mother was a nurse. I was going to say, that's what they said. And that was we supposed to be recession proof because all the, the government was always going to give the money. Well, maybe government priorities change. So, I mean, we don't need Panelists, all five. Um, is there anything you've seen in a candidate that 
was awful and you would recommend <laughs> not happen again. Oh, I have a story. Go, yeah. just go. Yay! So, I, had, <laughs> I had to help hire for a weekend producer when I was at National Geographic. And I reviewed all the resumes. I like brought people in and I like picked whoever I thought would be like the best fit. And this guy comes in and he's like, well, I'm going to need to work like remotely all like at least once a week because like I often jet to Paris with my girlfriend. I'm like, this is a weekend producer job? <laughs> so like you I, have two days a week. And I don't under, like that, that, that's two of your days and we can't just like let you work remotely because you want, I don't understand why we're having this conversation. And then like, and that was just the kind of persona he brought where he felt entitled to many things even though we were the ones giving him a job. Right. Um, and it was, I think it kind of blew my mind, it blew my boss's mind, and then as soon as he left, she's just like, no. I'm like, I know, this is the worst. And luckily we had other candidates, but just the fact that this man was just like, yes, you will give me this job, and you will give me all of these things. And I'm just like, and I would like to say, the women who came and interviewed for that job did not have that attitude. <laughs> well, I know, surprise. Um, it was an interesting experience. Also, who jets to Paris on the weekend? That's crazy. For a weekend for, job, for a you weekend, can't I know. For a weekend job? That's you awesome. work two days a week. You can't Well, I mean, he worked like five oh, days okay. a week, but still, he was just like, I will be working remotely. Mm. <laughs> Unlike weekends, in case I'm in Europe. Sure. Pass. Pass. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, we can probably all call to mind some, like, horror stories. I mean, I think some things that maybe are common mistakes that people make or just like not being timely and responding or I mean I'm I always say like seal the deal by sending a thank you note or a thank you email after an interview um, stuff like that I think you know Sean mentioning like know your audience with resume link is also important um, and then sometimes like I think the biggest like small mistake people make are just like did you even read this position description <laughs> like I give you lots of keywords that you can play to or that you can talk about your experience and then I get this resume that I'm just like hey it says you're looking for a job in food services and I'm in you know retail management or I'm in psychology like just read like google my company like it's not it's not that difficult like five minutes of research can go a long way towards yeah. helping you land an interview for sure i could tell you uh from doing the career workshops i read a lot of bad resumes um basically they would either lack you would lack essential detail um i i think that aaron made a very good point about taking a little bit of time to know the position you're applying for because you really just need to make sure like what you're writing is really relevant and I could look at a resume even though I have, know that the people have good job titles in front of their name and they actually have done some good work I also know that they don't seem to really show in the resume that they have a really good understanding of what it is what they're trying to tell someone, let alone the job, but even like even explaining what you've done in a general sense beyond that. Uh, so you really need to. I think we we talked about proofreading, right? Proofreading is so essential because having at least somewhat a second set of eyes kind of telling you, hey, I actually understand this. I don't understand this. Can really go a long way to make sure that doesn't happen. 
So I would tack on to that proofreading, not just for typos, but for formatting. Oh, yeah. Because if you if someone looks at a resume, it doesn't matter what the content is. If it looks terrible, they're not going to keep looking. Right. If it doesn't have like your like weird spacing, you don't understand how paragraphs work and like <coughs> margins and stuff. Like if you touch in the margins on either side, no one's looking at the rest of that resume. It doesn't matter how good it is. You, the basic right. formats count. I touched um, my margins and you said mine looks perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but also content. Right? I mean, yes, but you're not. They're not going to see the content if the if the formatting is so bad. Oh, yeah. Or like you misspelled the name of the job position and it's like typist. I, I, but I've also <laughs> you know? seen very nice yeah. resumes that have horrible content, so I wanted to make I've sure. All, and and an opposite yeah. anecdote of that is I've seen someone get a job as a college president <laughs> having misspelled the same word 800 times oh, in their God. packet. And it was the name of the college they worked at before, so someone <laughs> did a search and replace and it went from Daytona Beach, and Daytona's not in spell check, and Dayton Beach. It changed every single one of them. And that was the name of the college he worked at was Daytona Beach Community oh, wow. College. It went through, but he got the job. Higher paying, better job. He got it because like no one held him to that. Yeah. But that's also an 800 page he packet. consistent. <laughs> and that's actually, there is some truth to that. There yeah, is actually, no, sure. not in that case. That case, there's the fact that he was the former, you know, speaker of the House of Representatives that gets him past the misspelled words yeah. so if you're not the former speaker, you know if you haven't been a star football player prior to that maybe you're not going to get by by misspelling the name of your former occupation sounds like that yeah. person wasn't relying on their on their application or ever saw it <laughs> yep. Speaking My of, guess is this is someone that paid someone to put it together for him and he never even saw it. So, yeah. I got one anecdote for that, uh, uh, going back to the mis... It's actually beyond misspelled. Somebody we all know who I will... Most of us know who I will not out. You know. <laughs> he, now I want to know. <laughs> uh, but, you not, off, off the air, yeah. Uh, uh, they uh, asked me to submit their resume for a position uh, at my uh, company and so he sends me his resume and I look I'm looking through it and under skills it's just three blank bullet points and so I message him and I'm like uh, is this right dude and he's like oh whoops I don't know how many uh, jobs I applied to with that yeah. sorry oh, yeah. <laughs> none that you'll get <laughs> so what would be an appropriate <clears throat> formatting for a resume I mean I hear white space you know, does it depend on the company? Any thoughts about that? I would say that it depends on the industry and it depends on the type of position. Um, and the easiest way to kind of figure out if you're in the right like ballpark or you're headed in the right, right direction is just to like Google. I can't tell you how many times I've Googled like technical writer resume template and just go through Google images and check to see, you know, what is it? Because that's going to be very different than an artist's, you know, who they are expected or a graphic designer, right? Like you're very much expected to have lots of visual elements in that. Whereas a government job probably doesn't want pictures and graphics and colors. and Like, so if you were, if you had a, you were looking for a job right now, what are all the places you would check? Care.com. Like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, sure, yeah, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'd have like start with the panelists and have other people have ideas because that's the thing is that so many jobs are found through specialized processes, not just the mm. newspaper, Craigslist, or whatever. So, like, where would you look if you were looking for a job right now? For political jobs in D.C., uh, Brad Traverse. 
the website. It costs like $5 a month. Uh, and I did find a job through there that I ended up getting. There's literally a website called journalismjobs.com. <laughs> um, but like, I look at that, I look at media, I look at every single relevant job board I can find, and I also blast everyone I know. And I'm just like, hello, are you hiring? Do you know someone who's hiring? Do you, could they know someone? Like, I know a lot of hiring managers now. It took a while, but I do. And I always, I'm, I have no shame in like asking. I'm like, that, so you can, I mean, I don't know a whole bunch of in my network hiring sure. managers, but like, is that something really I could just like knock on someone's door and be like, are you hiring? So I would, I mean, what I used to do and when I, like, if I'm actually looking, I will ask for informational interviews for places that I want to work at, just in case. Because I'm like, I would like to know what you do, and I would also like to get FaceTime with you, but I don't say the second part. I just, like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, hi, I, I want to know more about, like, what you're doing at the Center for Investigative Reporting. Can we, like, meet? I really want to hear about, like, your mission and whatnot. And they're like, sure. And let me, like, talk about campaign finance for, like, an hour. Um, I have really weird interests, guys. But anyway, um, you know, and most people... They don't say no to informational interviews because they are like, yeah, sure. They want to like help or like you can get coffee with someone and they might not be hiring, but they'll know someone else who is. And like just getting that personal recognition. I think I've been like emphasizing that this entire time is like, I find that key to almost everything I personally do. Like, so I'm like, okay, you human who's like probably hiring for this job that I'm not qualified for. Can we just like chat? And I feel like I've talked to people in New York, I've talked to people in Seattle. People usually don't say no. And I also, again, I have no shame in asking. <laughs> I will ask for anything. If someone doesn't want to do an inter informational interview, they usually just won't return your email. Yeah. It doesn't have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like I get a lot of, like, I mean, I'm putting applications out there, and I, I, I really sit and I, like, really try to like in my cover letter and resume like really tailor them really take the time to actually like produce something good and I wonder if like I take too much time and I care too much and like I never hear a response back like in all of these question mark number of months I've had like a whole like three interviews that have gone anywhere and then like obviously not led to a job and like that's it's really unmotivating and really disheartening but and I know that I just really have to just push on like that's really the only thing to do but how how do I make sure that my stuff gets read and that I get a response is really just to know someone <laughs> in the industry I work in unfortunately yes but at the same time like cold calls and I, it might be because I'm just so used to making them like mm -hmm. A cold call is fine. Like, if it does not specify in the job description, do not call about this job, yeah. I will call about the totally job. Right. I always do. I'm like, hello. I would like to speak to, like, someone who's, like, the, either the hiring manager or someone in HR just to, like, chat about this job. Okay. Um, so I can ask questions and I'll come up, I'll make them up as I'm talking just so I can, like, get that in, yeah. even if I don't know anyone there. And, you know, when I've done that in the past, usually... Uh, I won't be like, hey, I'm looking for a job and I wanted to speak to the hiring manager. Usually I'll, I'll find, like you said, I'll make up a question mm -hmm. so that I get past the like gatekeeper of the front desk who's like, just apply online, you know, because I'm sure that... That's what everyone Yeah, so I remember I'll, I'll be like, oh, hey, you know, I just had a question about like 
again, I, apparently I'm realizing there's a lot of educational <laughs> job searches. I help with that, but you know. I thought you were a teacher before today. I thought you were just an elementary school teacher. Oh, yeah. I thought you like taught fourth grade. I do. Oh, okay. So I was <laughs> correct. Yeah, I was correct. correct. Okay. I was correct. Yes. Yeah. I was like, if not, you make some weird Facebook posts. I was like, I was like, I was like, I was Teacher. I know. <laughs> every, 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 every fourth grade teacher is a life coach. Let's be real. I mean, every good teacher is a life coach. I think that's a good point just to, to reiterate. Um, if you don't know the person you need to know in order to network for the job you want, then your first task is to get to know the person you need to know. Yeah. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. I know I've been approached by complete strangers, and sometimes it's like very obnoxious, and sometimes it's not. It's kind of, and that's the other thing, this is all human factors, right? So it's like, you're, you might land with someone who like really wants to chat, you might land with someone who really wants to be a mentor, you might land uh, with someone who, who can't be bothered with any of that. And that you don't have control over, but you do have control over sort of the amount of contacts you try to make and the value you try to put forward, you know, in those meetings. Um, and obviously not in the sense of like, I'm calling a company and saying I want to go work for you, but just the sort of more informal networking that mm -hmm. you guys already spoke to. Kind of like yeah. when we went blind tasting yeah. with your superior. One, <laughs> one thing I have done just on this, just <laughs> on this topic, one thing I have done is I've been like, I'm looking, I want to know who to address my cover letter to. And then they're like, this person, and I'm like, cool. And then I go stalk them on LinkedIn. I go stalk them on Facebook. I look at their website, and then at least you've got a name, and you know who to research and who to try and find. Well, so uh, to tag onto that, under cre in creative rooms, you better do that. Mm -hmm. If it's something creative, writers come, stuff like that, you better know something about the people you're talking about, or they're not even gonna, you don't know who I am, then get out of here. Yeah. There's something, <laughs> yeah, before, uh, I just wanted to say, there are a lot of directions I can take this conversation, but. <laughs> The thing that really comes to mind for me right now is that uh, a couple of people at this table are in uh, positions where their industry isn't really working out at the moment. Um, I just wanted to share one story. I know this doesn't always happen. Sometimes um, when you're applied to a job you're overqualified for, you end, up, uh, you end up getting passed over because there's this fear of uh, people walking away. And you know, there are some liabilities that I could get into, though it would probably take an entire another podcast to do that. But I actually did take a job that I was overqualified for, and the overqualification was actually a motivating factor for me to accelerate and to move up and to get into other get into a deeper role. So I started off as a job started up at this office as an administrative assistant at a lower level than I was. And I finished at that job to take a much better job because I started working as a business analyst. And they knew I had those skill sets and they started using them. So it's, it's an interesting thing to think about where if you were like to say apply for an admin job or an assistant job of something kind of related or something where you know that the chain of command has the potential to move you in. It's a little harder for the nanny situation, it's a lot easier for the marketing situation. Where if you apply for the right office, but the quote unquote, what you would perceive to be the wrong position, but you also have the qualifications for that job too, you might be able to stick your foot in the door in order to get back, get back to where you want to go. 
it, it doesn't, I know it doesn't work every time, but it is something to think about, and it's especially something to think about if you feel like the well is dry. It worked really well for me in education. Like I got in as like a staff, like as an OPS and work study and then worked my way up to a college professor at the same school by meeting and knowing people and working these offices and then getting the education and stuff like that. And when I got it, they gave me an immediately gave me a chance to teach adjunct and that eventually led to full-time position. So that worked really well for me. <laughs> I just wanted to piggyback on something that Jessica said earlier. It's not just job boards that, that you could be a part of. For example, as a journalist, I'm part of the listserv for investigative reporters and editors. And sometimes I get posts where editors are saying, we're hiring. Do you know anybody who's a journalist or, or, or who has investigative reporting experience? So there may be a listserv uh, that somebody might know. Uh, just a quick, uh, a quick anecdote on myself. One of the things that I did uh, when I was unemployed was I, uh, I wrote for a guy uh, named Daryl Laurent, who's a columnist at the News in Advance in Raleigh. And uh, so you never quite know who's got that listserv that even when you're unemployed, you can pick, so, pick up some work that at least can demonstrate that you're doing something while you're looking for that extra job. So, and yeah, that ties back to the original question. There's a listserv for everything that's right. offering mm -hmm. jobs. So there's like ones that I, like the job that I got, I got it through um, looking at listservs like jobs that are left, which is an old, just like <coughs> one that's offering liberal, progressive li political jobs. There was also a website called Democratic Gain that I used to all go to. It was all campaign staffer and organization jobs. And going through these, there's these liberal ones, but there's also that for every field. Like right. Shelly mentioned the name of the one for nanny jobs or whatever. So everything you've got, there's not only a website where there's probably several multiple listservs, there's also ones based on other things. So there's probably, you know, gender, religion, ethnicity, all based job listservs in a particular area that if you can find your way to get into those, that the, the, the people network, you know, yeah. What's the there's, there's there's a women's group that meets in DC regularly that's a job search thing that they actually have events and stuff and it's just for oh, women wait, professionals wait, and, wait. yeah 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 oh, so there's yeah. like there's there's stuff like that in every field in every like you know demographic group there's something that's trying to help you find stuff so if you can find those and meet the people that's the best networking right. you can do because they're going for the same jobs that you want so. and because we have a big nonprofit sector in DC and I know it's a topic of interest I wanted to bring up idealist.org. No, uh, my, no, first job, my first job in D.C. was off of Idealist, so I definitely want to shout out for that. Uh, but uh, I also don't discount, uh, I don't like the old-fashioned type of job sites like Monster.com. Mm -hmm. But the newer ones, well, I mean, they're not that new anymore, but LinkedIn and uh, Indeed are much better and much more fruitful because they're much more, especially Indeed's very search engine based. Uh, and then uh, for tech, I think we said Dice. Dot Dice, yeah. Dice is a really good site. Like if you're doing, even if you're looking to, for like a business analyst job, if you have, even if you're only an Excel wizard, don't be, don't be daunted because I'm an Excel wizard. I got a much better job because I went on Dice than I did if I had gone on uh, just gone on a regular site because business, you know. One of the interesting uh, things about job roles, especially when you get into that big administrative space where, you know, if you're a teacher, you're a reporter, even if you're a nanny, there's very well-defined uh, roles that you're going to go to and you kind of know what to look for. You're in the wilderness in administrative roles because 
what someone considers to be a program analyst or a business analyst in one organization is completely different in another one. And I think we talked about the whole resume part about that earlier, but this is something that I think can really catch a lot of people. And I think that could even be the case with marketing, is that the way you think we have consistent understanding of how terminology works in this society, we don't. Uh, it's really true with the computer in the in the in the data world uh, because like one person want, just wants a junior analyst that they want to pay an entry level salary to, and another person really wants someone with a lot of experience that can really pop through quickly and get a lot of things done because they they've been around for uh, in the industry for a while. So that is really the hardest part, and I don't know if there's an, there is an easy answer for that, but since we are talking about, uh, since I did bring up LinkedIn and Dice and uh, Idealist and some of the, Dice is a tech site, so it's uh, for okay. people who want to do both. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Okay, not really. But definitely, but it's just a more specialized version of Indeed, so if you use Indeed.com, you may even be able to find some. It's, it's hard there's because some teach, there's some there's some teaching jobs on Indeed, right. but teaching means I have to take like a good twenty percent pay cut. Mm -hmm. Right. One other so website that I don't know <laughs> if any of you guys have used that I really like is ZipRecruiter because if I apply for one job, they actually like I feel like when Indeed recommends jobs for me, it is I'm like, why are you? Do you want me to be a salad maker at Sweet right. Green? Like, yeah. But ZipRecruiter actually will send you and email you like relevant posts of jobs that like you might actually be interested right. in. Okay. Because yeah, I applied to something on ZipRecruiter mm -hmm. and then they kept sending me emails, but like only about the same job. <laughs> oh, and I was like, so one. this is like a really shady thing. So I just like turned it off, but maybe now if you recommend it, I really yeah. will go back and look at them. I found some counseling gigs. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to throw one more thought out because uh, mm -hmm. this was kind of like to put an end to the first part. Uh, looking for a job by your skill set instead of by your title mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is really yeah. useful in uh, the because to deal with that whole wild west of some 20 businesses asking for analysts and having 20 different requirements. Yeah. Uh, if you actually go back into a soft type of software you use, uh, even if in, I think even in any case, what kind of clients you work with, where you actually look for like. You work with toddlers best, so you put in toddlers instead of just putting in nanny. And if you put in Excel, because you're a better Excel person, if you know how to use a like um, UX coding, for example, you put in UX. If you actually uh, look for a technical job, and if you look for marketing, what kind of marketing do you do? Well, I don't know a lot about the marketing field, but look for what have you done, what can you do, and look for jobs that, based on those fields, and you'll find okay, maybe the Indeed search emails may stink, but when you're actually looking on Indeed for those jobs, you might get some better results because you, you checked on the skill set rather than the position title. So uh, just to address, uh, so I had that come up very recently. Uh, someone asked me, uh, they knew that I was close to someone who works at a pharmaceutical organization, and they said, do you know if they'd be hiring for a pharmaceutical consultant? So I'm trying to find my friend a job. And I, and I said, well, I'm sure they wouldn't be hiring a pharmaceutical consultant, but if you find out what this person's skills and interests and background are, what they do, then that could be conveyed and maybe we could see if there is a job that would be suitable for someone with those skills. 
I've had conversations probably with the same person. So. <laughs> As DC is a small town. Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds very familiar. I guess getting back to the website recommendations on the tech side, there's some newer sites coming up um, that I've had some, I'm not actually looking for a job, but they've approached me. Vettery is one, and uh, Hired is another, more for tech and, and product management kind of roles. And they're very high touch, and they seem to do a really good job of matching it with the kind of opportunities you're looking for. So that's kind of nice if you're looking to avoid sort of a deluge of, of irrelevant postings. Uh, OneWire.com is a site that's focused on more finance, but obviously finance companies run on tech. So if you're looking for uh, database programming, financial tech roles, that's a good site that I helped build. <laughs> 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 that she helped build in case anyone missed that on the podcast. <laughs> when you're in between jobs, like I've used Fiverr, like where I'll be like, I'll write a speech for you or I'll edit your PowerPoint. Like that's a good way to make some just quick cash is like Fiverr, Elance. If you're into tutoring, Wiseant is one that I've used. It's W-Y-Z-A-N-T. I've heard that one for tutoring. Yeah. 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 So. Those other two. And then also on the on the networking side, I want to just chat out a, a site called um, Black Women Talk Tech um, mm -hmm. and Power to Fly, and these are both focused on women, Black women, and technology. Oh yeah, so um, I'm probably the only 27 year old person you know that does not have a LinkedIn, <laughs> and I would like to know if it would be valuable in my particular career path to put the effort of making a LinkedIn happen. I want to work for the people who use LinkedIn, but I don't know if that's the way that they will find me as an employer. It can't hurt. Yeah, that's what I literally was going to say. It can't hurt. It's never been mentioned in any of the nanny networking groups I've had, but maybe it's a niche that I should try to pursue. Just opinions would be really... Valuable. I'll offer a not not an unoriginal original thought, but the value of having a LinkedIn is that it gets very highly um, ranked in search results, and so it's like a very easy way for you to control what comes up when people search for you, which is something that's going to happen when people vet you for this kind of role. That's true. So that's it's something you have social 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 that's the only value I've seen in LinkedIn is yeah. that people are going to search for you and that will come up easier. But in terms of like finding a job or someone contacting or that coming up, I've never seen it even do a slightest bit of thing. And I work in politics and comms and stuff like that. Nobody pays any attention to it. They, that's not where they would go to look for somebody. I mean, like 10 years ago, I got recruited off LinkedIn and the company like flew me to Toronto and stuff. And I would really want to work with you. And, and then, and I didn't wind up working there, but Oh, it's yeah. Trudeau. Well, it's, it's, Trudeau. Trudeau. it's so Trudeau. Was it was it really ten years ago? Yeah, it was uh, two thousand seven. Wow. Yeah. They were they were pioneers. Yeah, they were. I think he's. And the, the last person to use it for a job thing. search. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right. Hey, I know. Uh, you know what? May I chime in? There's one site that I want to recommend that a lot of small it. It's more for small businesses, and if you think of yourself as that, rather than just one person doing a job, it's helpful. Mm -hmm. Yelp. Mm -hmm. Yelp, uh, like for example, uh, anecdote here, my uncle is a home inspector up in Queens. Now, uh, he was doing like 
flyering word of mouth, stuff like that. He had some work, not much. When I bought my house, I found my uh, home inspector on Yelp. And so I said, hey, Steve, why don't you check this out? Uh, yeah, sure, Mike, I'll, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and he's from Queens, if you can't tell. And, uh, <laughs> and about um, two months later, he said he was busy constantly. And he, he got a couple of uh, reviews, and it's just, he, he turns away jobs now, charges more for jobs when it's out of his way. So he just, you know, that's a, it's a, an option if you're in business for yourself and you're up business all on your own. I, I just I recommended that to another one, a friend of ours who's a piano instructor. He's, uh, I, I, I think, I don't know that. So you make me get on Yelp. Actually, I mean, not a terrible that's, idea. That's actually it's a decent idea. idea. I'm legally not allowed to classify myself as an independent contractor. Uh, I have to classify myself as a, as a domestic servant. So I don't know if I'm, if, I don't know if that works for me. You go somewhere else, you could go, this is good. I was gonna say this for entrepreneurs, which kind of fits you too. So Business Networking International, is they're everywhere and honestly the value you get out of it is going to be dependent on the specific group that you go to like the one in northwest dc might not do you good but the one in arlington could be great for you but they will let you come and visit twice without having to pay so you can literally just go get their contact sheet can you send me that i will yeah. <laughs> like literally like, go right now before it'll, yeah, it'll be on the podcast yeah like i need this information <laughs> in writing you can go pass out your business card to everyone there you Aren't give a cute? spiel there <laughs> That. And then you can take away their contact list so that if you're like, okay, clearly not, like the chiropractor maybe is not going to be valuable, but if you know someone who's in a relatable field, or if you know someone who's like a dog walker, owns a dog walking business. Or even someone with a kid. Yeah, 100%. Like, <laughs> it could be as simple as that, but I always recommend that because as a coach, I use them and then like it just reaches a wide audience.